Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. There are a lot of times in life when you're humbled by what you don't know. I thought I knew about the history of the Green Bay Packers. I thought I had a good idea about the history of this great franchise, but I was wrong. This franchise has such a great amount of history, such a great amount of Hall of Fame players and coaches, an amazing fan base that I am just humbled. The Green Bay Packers, the franchise located in the smallest market in the NFL, has its hands in the history of this great lead. Uh, from the amount of titles it has won, Green Bay is known as Title Town for a reason, to the fact that the Super Bowl trophy is named after the Packers coach who won the first two Super Bowls, Vince Lombardi. This account of the history of the Green Bay Packers doesn't do it justice at all. But that being said, listen to some of these facts concerning the Green Bay Packers. The Packers were founded in or on August the 11th and the 14th of 1919 in the editorial rooms of the Green Bay Press Gazette. The Indian Packing Corp, uh, Corporation or company of Green Bay sponsored the team for the first two seasons, hence the name Packers. On November 27, 1921, the Packers slash Bears series, the longest in the NFL, began with the Packers losing to the then Chicago Staley's the later Chicago Bears, 20-0. to zero. Many more games have been played in this series from that point on. On August 27, 1921, the American Professional Football Association granted Green Bay a team. In 1922, the Green Bay team was deeply in debt. Local football fans from the Elks Club started selling stock to save the team. This is why the Green Bay Packers are the only publicly owned NFL team in the league. Every year, the owners of this team meet at the stadium to talk about the state of the franchise, said to be worth over $2 billion now. Not too bad. It is soon after this that the Packers started to win title after title. In 1929, 1930, and 1931, three titles in a row. And listen to this, the rich keep getting richer. In 1935, the Packers signed Don Hudson, who would go on to set so many receiving records in his career that it would take decades before anyone gets close to breaking them. In 1936 and 1939, the Packers win their fourth and fifth titles, followed by a sixth title in 1944. During the run of this run of greatness, there was one constant, Curly Lambeau. He coached the team from 1921 to 1949. His 200 wins, uh, 209 wins, I should say, is the record for any Packer coach. He is so loved and so honored in Green Bay that the stadium where the Packers now play was renamed in Lambeau's honor in 1965. In 1959, the Packers make another great hire. This is the year that they signed Vince Lombardi to be both the head coach and their general manager. And this is when the Packers start winning once again. 
listen to this. They win NFL championships in 1961, 1962, 1967, and 1967. And two, as a result, the Super Bowl trophy is now known as Lombardi's Trophy, named after the coach who won the first two Super Bowls. After Lombardi left the Packers, they went through a few years of mediocrity. That was until three great signings took place. In 1920, excuse me, 1992, the Packers hire Mike Holmgren to be their head coach. Also in 1992, Ron Wolf, the GM for the Packers, traded a first-round pick to the Atlanta Falcons for a guy named Brett Favre, and I think that was a pretty good trade. Then in 1993, the Packers signed the most sought-after free agent of that year, and maybe all-time, the great late Reggie White. All these great moves came together in 1997 when the Packers beat the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 31, and they made it to Super Bowl 32, where they lost to the Denver Broncos. The Packers would make it back to the Super Bowl in 2011, where they would beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are constant threats to win the Super Bowl every year due to great player moves and constant great quarterback play. Fun fact. The Lambeau Leap was invented in 1993 by Leroy Butler in a game against the Raiders. The Packers boast 30, or excuse me, 26 Hall of Famers with a record as of 2019 of 754 wins, 574 losses, and 38 ties in the regular season, and 35 wins and 23 losses in the playoffs. I'm excited about this week's guest, and I'll let him introduce himself in just a moment. This interview will, in this interview, we will discuss why he loves the Packers, plus why the Packers are such a special team and so consistent over the past few years. If you want to be part of the Football Family Podcast, please message me at Jeremy underscore McFarland on Twitter or on the Football is Family Facebook page. Also, you can see all the other great podcasts that we have on our Sports History Network page. That is a sportshistorynetwork.com, where you can see all the other great podcasts that we host on that page. Also, if you would, please subscribe to this podcast. Thank you, and enjoy this interview. We'd like to welcome everybody back to the Footballers Family Podcast. And I have a special guest. I'm going to let him introduce himself. Would you please, my friend? Yeah. Um, my name is Tommy Phillips. Um, I'm a writer, a Packers fan. I have written several books. Um, a couple of those have been taken down because um, I'm redoing them. But uh, the main ones that are are still available are Nifty 90s, the stories of an amazing decade in pro football history. It's all about uh, the NFL in the 90s, 1990 to 1999. And then I have my sequel to it, or it's actually kind of a prequel, which is Great 80s, a journey through an ama another amazing decade. Uh, oh, let me see. 
a journey through another exciting decade in pro football history. There it is. Uh, man, so many words. Um, but that's on a book on the NFL in the 80s. So those those are my main two books, and um, they are pretty large. So uh, it will take a long time to get <laughs> to finish those books because they are very detailed. I'm looking forward to reading the great 80s. And I noticed that you had a book, and, and maybe I'm wrong on this, a tribute to, Tor- to Troy? Yeah. Now, that is, yeah. One, that is one that I'm going to track down and get as well. I, I enjoy listening to the history of the USC Trojans. Well, I can always put it back up for uh, sale. The reason why I had taken that down is I was uh, thinking of trying to get it to a publisher and um, I needed to make some changes in it if I wanted to try to get a publisher to pick it up. So that was what I was hoping to do, but um, certainly I can put that back up there. Um, It it hadn't sold very well, but um, it's got some pretty good pictures in it because um, I took a lot of pictures whenever I was out there in Los Angeles. Well, that is, uh, you know, that that's the type of book I enjoy, the picture book. In fact, I like the ones that, you know, when you open the page, the picture pops up. Mm-hmm. I, I tell my wife that if uh, she gave me a list to make it pop up pictures, I can do it a lot better <laughs> than if she gave me a list. Um, but I'm here and we could talk about other things, but I'm here for one, one in particular book. You bought, you wrote a book <clears throat> Packers versus the 49ers. Am I correct? Yes. And yeah. there's a, there's a reason for that. You're not, if you're not seeing what I'm seeing, he's got a green Bay Packers hat on. And I'm sure that anybody who's listening in uh, Detroit or Chicago or Minnesota, um, are probably cringing right now. <laughs> Now, my question for you is why? Why are you a Packers fan? Um, it's, it's a kind of complicated story, but, you know, I live in Pittsburgh, so obviously I should be a Steelers fan. Um, basically, when I was a, a fourth grader or so, yeah, fourth grade, I think, um, I started getting into football and I collected all those little football helmets out of the uh, machines where you could buy the little plastic helmet for a quarter. And yeah, yeah. One of those. Yeah. So, um, so I collected them all and then I, then I, took like five of them and I'm like, okay, these five, I'm going to choose a team out of these five. And I didn't go with Pittsburgh. I didn't go with the Rams. And then the two I'm very happy. I didn't go with are the Raiders and the jets. And oh. I went with the Packers and I, man, if I had gone with that jets one, Oh man, <laughs> what they're going through right now. But, yeah, I picked the Packers. I kind of, like, felt bad for them because all the books I read at the time were about the team in the 70s and the 80s, and 
they weren't very good then. So um, I, I was like, I felt bad for them. And of course, as soon as I became a fan from them, then Brett Favre started winning MVPs and it became this almost a dynasty of just great play for the last 25 years. No, you, you didn't see that, that I had a uh, helmet that he's talking about of the Houston Oilers. And I just so happened to find that in, mm. in a drawer. And I was like, you know what? That, that kind of fits, if you can see behind me, kind of fits what I got going back here a little bit. The love you believe. Right. Now, now, you brought up, they did have a struggle from the 70s and the 80s. Um, they they weren't good, and I was looking today. They mm-hmm. went through a bunch of coaches from that time when Vince Lombardi yeah. re- retired. Well, left them and went to the Redskins, which mm-hmm. I don't think he should have ever gone to the Redskins. But that's my my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could uh, if I could throw out some coaches' names here, let's see if you can mm-hmm. do word association with them. What is your first mm-hmm. feeling when you hear these names? Okay, you ready? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mike Holmgren. Um, very smart, very uh, good in scripting. That's the first thing I think of is him scripting his first 15 or so. I'm sorry. That's okay. 15 or so plays um, of every game where he, he would uh, figure out how to do an offense with, um, I'm sorry, I, I, my cat bothered me. I, I threw me off there. Um, he would script the first 15 or so plays, and somehow he was able to get the offense to work, even though, you know, they were scripted, which I always thought was interesting because it was like, well, what happens if you're in a third and 10, you got a run call or something. And I never understood it, but he made it work. And I know he got that from Bill Walsh and um, he was able to, um, you know, he he was just a very good play caller. That that's probably the best word. I said a lot of words, but play good play caller. That's what I'd go with. All right, all right. Vince Lombardi. Um, I'd say tough and brilliant, and a great leader. Um, I I had the fortune of hearing some stories about Vince Lombardi. I went on this this Packers cruise thing where old players told stories about him. And uh, it was just uh, just an amazing man. I mean, he was, um, he, he did so much more than just football for those players. So yeah, uh, it's, it's hard to put into words what he meant to Green Bay as a whole. Dan Devine. <laughs> um, all I can think of is 1972. Uh, whenever they won the division, you know, I still haven't covered um, the 70s yet. I'm working on that. But, um, yeah, 
That that was um, the only good year was seventy two of the seventies for the Packers. It was seventies uh, and eighties. They had only two playoff appearances, only one division championship. That was in seventy two, and uh, and the funny thing, <laughs> uh, and even when they did make the playoffs in the eighties, which was after he was gone, um, <laughs> it was only because it was a strike year. So uh, NFL only played nine games that season. So uh, it reasons to think they may not have even made the playoffs that year <laughs> had, <laughs> had the NFL played all 16 games. I, I tell uh, my so kids, many things. I tell my yeah. kids my favorite way of winning is by default. <laughs> you never, you don't know. Now, yeah. Now you, um, you're a historian obviously. Mm -hmm. And the very fact I, I threw in Dan Devine to, to give you a little curveball to see where I can go with this <laughs> next one. And you, and you got it now. Um, you studied the eighties, you studied the nineties. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to the forties. Okay. Yeah. Don Hudson. What can you tell? There's a lot of people that don't know who he is. Or was obviously he's yeah. not alive now, but uh, he came from um, he came from Alabama. Mm -hmm. um, he really well. I'm going to let you describe Don Hudson for us. Uh, you know, yeah. so so people can understand. He played for the Packers, so go go ahead. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, pretty much the Jerry Rice of his day. Um, as a receiver, he completely revolutionized the position. Um, he caught 99. I'm not sure if it was all 99 receiving touchdowns. I know he scored 99 touchdowns, and I think they were all receiving because uh, Steve Largent broke that record, I think, in 1989 with 100. Um, for, he, he held so many uh, league records at his retirement, and – those records didn't get broken until uh, Steve Largent came around and and then later Jerry Rice. Um, and and uh, as we found out, uh, we found this out is that he still holds the Packers record for most catches in a game. Uh, Devontae Adams tied him earlier really? this year. Yeah, but Don Hudson had 14 in the game. And that's still the standard, although Adams tied him earlier this year. So uh, now, that, that uh, is impressive. I, I found uh, – I have a book here, and, and uh, I'm mm -hmm. sure you've seen it. It's the Pro Football Hall of Fame 50th anniversary. And there's a picture here yeah, of that. Don Hudson catching a pass. And if you um, – it says here that he caught 99 career touchdown receptions in um, – Mm -hmm. By the time he retired, he caught 488 passes. The second place receiver had caught 190. Yeah. Now that tells you something right there where their, their yeah. idea was running the ball and the Packers said, no, we're going to throw it to this guy and good luck stopping mm -hmm. him. Now I remember yeah. when Steve Largent broke the record, broke the record. I remember watching that game. It took what, mm -hmm. 40 some odd years to break that record. That tells you something about Don. Yeah. Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
In fact, uh, I have a recent book where someone, a Packers fan, ranked the top 100 Packers of all time, and he was ranked number one. So um, that that says a lot. Then he's ahead of Bart Starr, Brett Barr, Aaron Rodgers, all of them. Could his game translate into today's NFL? Well, you know, I mean, probably not not at the level of like uh, his size, and you know, I'm not sure what what size he was. You know, obviously, he would have to keep up with modern day training methods, but his style of play, yeah, I think. He pretty much uh, set the standard for how how a uh, all time receiver is, you know, and he he was all you know so far ahead of every other receiver at the time. So in today's game, I think he fit right in there. Now maybe he'd have to change his game plan because. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I haven't seen any games from the 40s, but uh, back then they used to, whenever they pass, they pass along. And today's game, a lot of the, you know, we see Drew Brees and Tom Brady do all the sort passes and they make their money doing that. But I could see him going downfield and catching 60-yard passes for Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, I, I think he could make it in today's NFL if he was up to, um, the, you know, the training and um, that kind of stuff. Now, you brought up Aaron, you brought up Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to ask you, uh, Rodgers or Farb, which one would you start tomorrow? <laughs> oh, uh, I, I thought this out a long time ago. I thought, okay, if I want – one season, then I'm going to go with Brett Favre because I know he. It doesn't matter how <laughs> how big the hits he takes, he's going to go through. You know, he he's he's not going to get knocked out. But if I had one game to win, I would want Aaron Rodgers and um and the Super Bowl that he won against the Steelers uh, kind of proves that because. The Packers had absolutely no running game in that Super Bowl. In fact, uh, I I knew how the Super Bowl was going to go down because of their inactive list, because they they made both of their fullbacks inactive. So I was like, okay, that means they're going to pass a lot in this game. Well, they they had maybe one good run the entire game. It was all up the Rodgers. And so, uh, you know, Rogers had had the win that game on on his own pretty much because uh, he didn't have a running game and he was going up against a great Steelers offense. So, yeah, if you give me one game to win that I need to win, I take Rogers. Now, that is what we call the political answer. You straddled the <laughs> fence and you uh, – hey. <laughs> But the funny thing is, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. Yeah. Uh, I would not start Brett Favre if my life depended on it. But if I had a season, Favre would be the guy. Mm, yeah, he would be. 
Uh, and it still doesn't look right for me to think of him in a purple uniform. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's just that's just my opinion. But anyway, now we're talking about Favre and we're talking about Rodgers. We talked about Vince Lombardi. If you had your – you have this big slab of granite, okay, and mm-hmm. you had somebody who knew how to carve that granite into faces – Mm-hmm. And you can make your own Mount Rushmore, Mount Phillips. Okay. Who <laughs> would be the four Packers you would put up there? It could be oh, players man. or anything like that. Yeah. Um, well, I think you have to go with the founder, Curly Lambaugh. You have to go with Vince Lombardi as coach. Um, you have to, I would go with Bart Starr as quarterback. And, oh, man, the last one, there's just so many choices. Um, I would have to go with... Don Mikowski. <laughs> no, uh, I I want to say Reggie White, but he didn't spend his whole career with Green Bay, so I probably would go with Don Hudson, I think. Okay. I know... It would be all old guys, but uh, that's when they had their most success. So, so yeah. it would be it would be the founder, and we're going to ask. I'm going to ask you a question about that in just a second. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking if you had the magic man, you'd have to put his mullet in it somehow. <laughs> he had it, it's epic. I enjoy looking at the pictures of him. He knew what he was doing. He, he had the business mm-hmm. up front, the party in the back. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Doesn't the Packers? Why don't the Packers have an an owner? Um. Well, honestly, I would have to go back and read um, the exact way um, um, this team was set up because I, it's been a long time since I read. I, I had a book that was all about the Packers. I mean, I still have it. But it explained every last thing about them. I learned so much about them, but the problem is I've forgotten so much of it too. So okay. I I couldn't tell you the actual answer to that. I I can say that um, it's so unique in sports that a team doesn't have a you know, one one singular owner. I mean, they do have a CEO in Mark Murphy, who, <laughs> funny thing is, there was a Mark Murphy who played for the Packers, but that's not the Mark Murphy who is the CEO of the Packers. And um, um, it, it is very special being the one team in all sports that doesn't have, now, you know, one Person, team. I want to tell you something funny here, and uh, and I've got a question for you before I do that. In your in the background, underneath your Penn State flag, is that a nesting doll, a Brett Favre nesting doll? Yes, it is. Okay, just checking. That is that is awesome. <laughs> I've never seen that. Uh, I live uh, I live outside of a town called Waverly, Tennessee. Um, you cannot mm-hmm. get there from where you are. You just can't. Mm-hmm. And I go to uh, to get my oil changed and tires rotated at a place called Waverly Tire and Auto. And the guy there, his name is Dan Schofield. 
and I, he is um, he is not from around here. You hear how slow I talk. He does not talk this slow. So I asked him, I said, where are you from? And he told me, and as I was looking up on the wall, he had a shareholder stake. He bought shares, a share from the Packers. There is a, there is a share, you know, symbol there in Waverly, Tennessee, the Packers. Do you own a share in the Packers? Yes, I do. Um, I bought one in 2011 when um, they opened up uh, sales for them again. Um, I'm not, I don't think I have it in this room, but yeah, I kind of do have a frame too. Um, yeah, I do have my share of the team. Um, I, um, I, I know there's a lot of people who have stairs, but I like to, I like to say that I'm allowed to say we, when I describe the Packers, because <laughs> I am technically an owner of the team. <laughs> now see that there you go you need to have an owner's booth and everything uh it, it's just interesting when you do a little research on the packers um that they're the only publicly traded company uh in the mm -hmm. nfl and when i think in 2011 you said they were building mm -hmm. onto the stadium and they had to raise yeah. funds that way um yeah. it is the if i remember correctly Lambeau field is the oldest stadium in the nfl uh, actually, Soldier Field is. Okay, Soldier Field. Um, yeah, Soldier Field is older, but it doesn't look anything like uh, what it was. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, there's something about that stadium. My, my friend went up there and watched the Titans play, and he said that stadium just has a feel about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Yeah. Uh, I, I got to go to Lambeau Field in uh 2015 it was my first trip up there uh yeah it, and i got to take a tour of it and everything it's just an amazing experience uh, i i'd recommend it to most people but i wouldn't recommend it to my Steelers friends because i know <laughs> i know that wouldn't turn out well but i do wish i had seen the stadium back the way it was in the 90s because when it way it was in the 90s it was it was a classic bowl yes and you could see you you know you could see out the stadium you know now it's all built up really tall in order to you know maximize ticket sales and now it's a completely different uh stadium than it once was that doesn't mean it's bad it's just that I wish I had had that opportunity to sit in the stadium the way it looked back when the ice bowl was being played back in those days. So, yeah, there are a lot of good things about it, and but that's a little disappointment I have. Now, I've got a couple more questions, and I'll let you go. I appreciate yeah. your time, uh, Mr. Tommy. Yeah. Now, um, I watched something on the NFL Network about – the people who live across from Lambeau field <laughs> and they said that they were receiving hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of offers for those houses. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, and I just thought, you know, it would be neat to live that close to the stadium of the team you like, <laughs> but at the same time you could buy a couple houses for what they're offering, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
but that that is pretty neat. I don't think that there's a team in the NFL quite like the Packers. You know, with the with the first day of training camp, they ride their bike. They ride bikes mm-hmm. to the training camp. Yeah. And I just don't think there's a team like it. And uh, and it's funny how you became a fan by looking at many helmets. Do you still have that many helmet? Probably, probably. Yeah, I wanted to say something. If you've never been to Green Bay, it is so much smaller than you'd ever imagine. I mean, I live in a small town myself, but it's bigger than Green Bay. And like the Green Bay, as soon as you uh, turn off the road that the stadium is in, you're already out of Green Bay. And um, in fact, the up until they started uh, doing some building up there, the new Title Town District, they call it, uh, there there were no hotels in Green Bay. So when we went up there, we had to stay an entire hour out of Green Bay, all the way down in Oscos, Wisconsin, <laughs> because there's just no, it, it, it's completely different. It's like driving up to a, small town and having a big football stadium sitting in the middle of it. That's how unique it is. Now it is the smallest NFL town, Mm. um, but it has what several years worth of waiting list for season tickets. Mm. Yeah. Um, It's, it's fans. You mentioned the jets. Uh, You have to be a rabid fan to be a jets fan. Or a or a Browns fan, (laughs) and for Packers, um, I think you have to be a rabid fan to sit through that cold weather to watch a football game. Yeah, Yeah. Um, I I respect the the history of the Packers. You cannot write the history of the NFL without the history of the Packers. And and one last Mm -hmm. story. Uh, today on Total Pro Sports, they had a video of the top five best in it, uh, Super Bowl rings, the top five worst Super Bowl rings. Mm-hmm. Interesting fact, you know, Super Bowl three was the first Super Bowl to mention Super Bowl. The first two were world mm-hmm. champions. The first right. ring of the Packers was so simple, yet <laughs> so beautiful and yeah. it says world champions, and I believe every Super Bowl ring that came from there has world champions on it instead of Super Bowl champions because mm-hmm. of your Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had the second one, but the one that Aaron Rodgers won is a little bit bigger than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have replicas of their rings, and um, I am pretty sure the Packers had were the first football team with a ring, not – in 66 for the Super Bowl one, but for 1961 when they won the NFL championship over oh, the oh, Giants. Man. And they got a ring for that. The next year they beat the Giants in the championship again. And they decided we don't need rings. We already got one. So there isn't a 1962 ring except for maybe a few players who joined the team uh, that year. So uh, the Packers have 1961 and 1965 world championship rings that um, 
go along with their four Super Bowl rings. So the Packers technically have six rings and, of course, 13 championships. Oh, you got to drop the 13 in there, don't you? <laughs> and I, I'm looking at the Titans, uh, you know, their Titans display case, and there's nothing in there. But we'll catch up with you one day. We'll catch <laughs> up with you. I've, I've got yeah. I've got space in this office for a couple of things for the Titans. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Tommy, I appreciate you coming on. Where can they get a hold of you if they want to buy your book? Um, go to TommyAPhillips.com or – um, other ways of getting there are nifty90s.com or great80s.com. Those will all lead you to the same place. And you can find my books there and you can contact me there. Now, I, I have one last question. I just saw it. If yep. you can own one thing from the Packers history, what would it be? Um, I think I'd want to own one of the goalposts from the Ice Bowl. Uh, in 1967 I know they tore those down after the game so there probably are people who own parts of that goalpost that was there on a day that was minus 15 degrees uh, Fahrenheit that is very specific I like that (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much yeah Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you for joining us at Football is Family. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Join George Bozica, the president of the PFRA, and myself, John Bozica, each month for the Professional Football Researchers Association official podcast. We'll discuss the history of the game, the many names of the game, and so many different things for you, making the history of football not only entertaining, but fun at the same time, as we join you on the Sports History Network on the official PFRA podcast. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.